Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander, featuring in-depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above-the-line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show. All right. Hi, and welcome, everybody. I am Kaya Alexander, host of the Hollywood Wolfpack podcast. And uh, this is a wonderful session, one of my favorites, because we have my students from the Entertainment Business School here live, also listening in to our special guest interview today, which is with manager Lee Stobby. I want to tell you about Lee for a minute. He is, he has over 15 years of management and producing experience and focuses on championing strong, independent voices and quality cinema and television. He's a lit manner producer and principal of To Be Continued. His success can be attributed to his passion, extensive knowledge, and enthusiasm for films. This has enabled him to on numerous occasions, discover raw, exciting new talent and build them into juggernauts in Hollywood. Lee, welcome. Hello. Great I've, to be here. This is and Joaquin's here with me as well. Yeah, for those of you who are listening in, he has a, a son conure. <laughs> it it's a parrot on yeah. his <laughs> what's going on Joaquin he's, like, <laughs> he's a cutie he's now now he's acting like he's shy he knows like he's on camera <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is why I really had you on the show today Lee because I saw your Instagram and I was like oh wait there will be awesome animals yeah a lot of animals yeah, I have a lot of animals um yeah how exciting 15 years of management and producing experience crazy crazy a little gay boy, a little gay boy from Ohio all the way to here Honey, I love that so much. Well, tell us a little bit about your origin story. How does a little gay boy from Ohio get into this crazy business of show business? Uh, that's a good question. Um, sheer will, I guess, manifestation, and I think mainly completely focusing on one idea. Like, so it really started when I was about, I guess I must have been 16, 15, 16. And I literally remember being about 45 minutes into watching Lord of the Rings in a theater. And I was just like, okay, here we go. This is this is it. This is what we're going to do. This is what the vibe is. We're going to just figure out how whatever is happening right now and I'm experiencing, I want to just, I want to figure out what this is and do this for my entire life. So that kind of sent me down a road of just literally watching every, I mean, I was in Midland, Michigan, at, or I was in Mount Pleasant, or I was, was I? I was in Midland, Michigan, I think at the time. Mount Pleasant. Yes. And literally just there's nothing to do there at all. So I just started watching movies just nonstop. Just like I remember like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go work in movies. And I remember whatever I'm the Godfather and a Clockwork Orange were the first two movies that I went and rented it because like those felt like the most glaring kind of um things that I had seen in my filmography. And that really just sent me down this pipeline of just literally every paper I ever wrote for school, everything I ever did was about movies from that point onward. And then I got moved out here. In 2009, not having any kind of concept of even wanting, wanting to be a management. I remember I turned down an interview at, uh, actually turned down an internship at a management company because I was like, I don't want to be like an agent or a manager because that seems like they make fun of those on television. I want to be a producer. I want to be creatively involved in stuff. So 
that, but eventually what I realized was it was a really powerful way to be involved in a lot of different things, right? And to touch your, like, you actually have a lot of, like, in some ways, you know, a producer makes a movie and then they move off, right? If I can stay with one person or one thing and have a lot of influence over a lot of different facets of the industry. So that was really interesting to me and feels like you actually have a much more kind of, you know, when I was a teenager, I imagine like, I just want to be the Coen brothers, like dude, whatever that meant. And I feel like, well, that's kind of what it is. It's like, you're kind of like the, um, the grab bag, kind of all the above. I do everything that everyone else doesn't do, which ends up being a lot. Everything ends up being a lot of stuff that you, you know, can't even kind of like comprehend or imagine, right? But that's what's kind of fun, but also, you know, kind of exhausting, you know, too. But I think it also, you know, when I think about, you know, for example, Shay, who wrote these two movies, he wrote John Wick 3, John Wick 4, and how he got those movies is that we literally developed a script together called Ballerina. Because he just like liked action movies. And I remember when I was signing him, I find him out of a stack of LMU undergraduate scripts, just reading scripts because I was judging them. And he had the script called Maximum King, which was about uh, Stephen King writing and directing Maximum Overdrive Coke out of his mind. And I was just like, this writer is unbelievable. I hunted him down. I asked him my first interview. I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to write action movies. And I said, we're going to write, we're going to make so much fucking money writing action movies. That's what I told him. I was like, this is just, this is the voice that people want for that so then That's we spend dream of a writer to hear their manager say that we're gonna make, so, gonna much make so much money, money. <laughs> and well now he's 28 years old and he's had nine produced films including that so we then just i was like okay let's write an action movie so he just let's write a female action movie like john wick i was like okay so he wrote a spec we did like for like six or seven months we i just pounded the shit out of the spec with him and then we went out with it and then they bought it as a john wick spinoff and they just shot it and it's in post with Anna de Armas starring in it. Oh my God. Right? As the first John Wick spinoff that they made. So that writing that spec is what got him all these other things, essentially. Right. And he's made a lot of fucking money writing action movies, which was also just about essentially auditioning for the job that he wanted by making the perfect sample. Like we weren't, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking it. I was like, okay, well, let's just make the best version of one of those movies. And I remember thinking, well, why we wouldn't even necessarily need to send it to the John Wick because it's too close to John Wick. Well, that was the whole point. Because we had made exactly what they were looking for, right? Like we gave them exactly what they wanted, right? They needed that movie, right? In that franchise. So that kind of, that level of kind of power, right? I'm like, I feel like I've influenced by, by finding this one person developing that one script. I've now like a ripple through time have influenced all these movies. Now he's writing all the Zack Sanders movies and this. And I see that like, you know, I see that his fingerprint because I've taken him and kind of launched him into this space That's I've all, I've, I've, yeah yeah she had the same so like, i've influenced all of these other films right and how kind of powerful and kind of you know exciting that is same time it's also a little bit like i'm not really involved in those things so like it gets a little bit like okay i, I have like inf- i'm like but i'm involved but i'm not involved so it's like you know i'm starting to kind of you know, so that's why i like the producing like i produced this indie movie that was like a two hundred fifty thousand dollars indie movie that the director and i just financed myself about addiction and codependent relationships. And we actually shot one of the scenes in my office here, like with Deborah Wilson from Mad TV. So it's just like, so to me, it's like, I'm the kind of person where I love being involved in like Stranger Things and John Wick and, you know, clearly all the like kind of 
obviously the money that comes from being involved in those things, but also like, I really also just, I came to Hollywood from the same thing that just that gave me like, I want to make Lord of the Rings. I want to make stories. I want to inspire people. I want to like, I want to try to, you know, spread love and, you know, inspire people through film and art, right. And music. I was just watching Moulin Rouge actually before, because I watch it like every day. Right. Cause I just try to constantly remind myself kind of why I'm doing this. Right. And kind of what are the beacons that I'm trying to aspire to do. Right. And not to compromise before. And flowing. Right. Yeah. That's so important in our business where it can kind of be exhausting. It's really exhausting. They connected to that, to that passion. Tell me a little bit more about your management. So, cause it sounds like you were really involved in the development of some of these films. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply uh i'm super involved i'm really really involved essentially in every aspect of everything i think i mean i think it's like you know what i and i think this also you know maybe comes from i was homeschooled my whole life too so i just kind of don't understand i don't follow rules very well or i don't care about them but i think that's also kind of that's the kind of fun of Hollywood is like, there isn't any rules really. Like people would act like there's rules, but there really isn't. And when you kind of don't do what they want you to do, they get mad, but I always get what I want. <laughs> so it doesn't matter, right? You can kind of make it up as you go along. Managers aren't even really supposed to exist, right? So a lot of that's kind of, sure, exhausting. And I kind of create too much chaos sometimes. <laughs> but I think that chaos is also what keeps it, you know, you have to keep everyone on their toes a little bit, right? And it's like, if you kind of, if you, if you, people are only going to care about passion and excitement and real kind of like, you know, when I'm screaming, when someone's screaming at me, I know I'm kind of doing it correctly. I'm like, oh, I see. They're mad because they're not getting something. Okay, well, I guess must I must have something that someone wants then, right? It's kind of like, that's kind of like the test, but it also makes it exhausting too. When you're just trying to like, I'm just trying to make stuff beautiful and people are always not working with you. And then dealing with a lot of people, especially, again, I think the thing that was, mo- that was most frustrating to me is still kind of most frustrating. And again, I try not to get, you know, I try to kind of make the views like that's why I have to be here. like, there's so many people that, not that they don't care about film, but it's also more of a job for them rather than something that they've committed to. It's like, I've completely committed to this, right? Like I fully committed to this as a concept. This is not like, I really had no, I didn't know anyone when I came out here, right? Like I, I, I got shriveled myself into this thing, right? And no one kind of like, sure, some people helped me along the way, but every single thing was, you know, I, I've left companies because I'm like, well, these people aren't helping me. I just got to do it myself. And why am I giving them my money when I'm doing it all myself anyway? So, and I think that would scare some people, but it's been the best thing for me because I've just pushed myself and then I've just kind of, I have to constantly just be investing back into myself and no one else and not kind of giving it away to anyone else as well. Um, but in terms of my style, it's like, yeah, my favorite thing is giving notes because 
I've also just seen every, I've seen like every movie, like I've just seen everything, right? I can reference everything and I can just, my knowledge base is so strong, but also understanding that once you've read as many screenplays and seen as many movies and heard as many notes and this and that and the other, you just realize that it's always the same notes. It's always the same notes and always the same problem. And if your movie, the most successful best screenplays I've ever had just came from a very, very clean like space, right? Anything that you feel like you have to beat up too much to kind of get it to work, well, then you kind of didn't think of it. Like it's not, it's that's it's not going to work, right? Bubbles, like some the number of blacklist script that I had, Bubbles with about Michael Jackson's chimpanzee. It's like literally Isaac pitched me that in like a sent a paragraph. It's like, what about this? I called him on the phone, like, what's the structure? It's like, we get bubbles right after, right when he's doing the bad album, and he gets rid of bubbles at the height of child molestation stuff. And I'm like, oh, so it's a great tragedy. I was like, okay, well, there you go. Great. Done. Like, the story was just so, like, I didn't have to give him any notes about what the structure of it was. It was just super obvious. Right? He didn't, we didn't have, and then really a month and a half later, he turned me the draft in on a Saturday. I literally gave him, like, some typos, some little ending notes, and literally I was sending it to people by Sunday. So from literally like concept to me, like within a week, we had like they're they're delivering it to John Favreau exclusively at the like Avengers premiere, right? It was like within like a week, it just like blew up in every agency yeah. like, yeah, within two months, right? From really concept to like finished script because it just flew out of him, right? It just wrote itself, right? So I think part of it is not just delivery screenplay, but also, but that also came from just dozens and dozens of conversations i had with the writer about the kind of movies that we should be doing what kind yeah. of movies that we want what makes me excited what kind of things are we doing and pushing and pushing and pushing and eventually that's that idea came out of that right so i think that's also kind of speaks to my style a lot of style is i don't know tormenting people until they figure it out <laughs> essentially and the kind of pressure cookering a little bit being like no i'm not like i don't get excited unless something is like amazing like i don't go out with a lot of stuff like you know i really only focus on things like i have a very 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 good track record of selling things that i go out with because i don't go out with a lot of things mm. it's just one script right it's not like you need a million scripts you just need one two right it's like then that's it i haven't had a lot of sex with, success with going out with things that people want say they want i've had a lot of sex with going out success with going on things that people said they would never want and that's the thing <laughs> someone ends up buying because no one it doesn't exist. I'm not competing with anyone else for anything. I'm doing like bubbles is a one for one script. Like just coming up with things that are very like this is the prime version of this thing. So anyone else is going to be copying me, essentially, right? Trying to kind of come up with new kind of things, which is like difficult, but then but you know it when you see it, right? And that's what cuts through the noise super fast. The game is about we're not, I'm not looking for, oh, it's pretty good. Like, oh, no. like that's what I don't really do. Not that I don't do a lot of television, but I don't do a lot of like staffing in this because I think it's a little bit to me. That's a little bit of the world of. Okay, just like samples that are pretty good or setting meetings or it's more about the kind of the politics of it versus just like, look at something that's fucking beautiful. Look at how beautiful the screenplay is like, let's just go like really just focusing on that, like the art, it's like the thing itself. How do you find your writers? I know what needle in a haystack uh, that is, especially with voice and commerciality and originality. Where where do you tend to find your clients? 
I think they find me. I think it's all, again, I think it's all about attraction too. It's not that I don't get recommendations from people or I don't get sent, sent to me or referred or whatever, but I know what is working. And it's to me, I can read two pages of a screenplay and just know kind of. And I think that's a better place. And I think that I like to kind of find people that are in that kind of like, okay, this is just a brilliant writer or this is just a brilliant idea. And then I can go in and really tinker with it and kind of blow it all up and make sure that really working as a screenplay. Like there's been so many times where people like send a screenplay and it was really great, but they didn't have a title. They didn't have an ending. They didn't even know how to pitch it. And I literally conceived, took all of their raw material, like an editor and rearranged it, came up with a title, changed the ending and made it something that I can go and sell. I would put it this way. People that listen to my notes and do my notes do well. And people that don't want to listen to my notes and don't want to do it, they're not that they aren't going to do it, but they're not going to do well with me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what I'm, I am very, very, very aware of what I can get done and what I can get people excited about. And when I start getting conversations with people like, well, this showrunner read it and they think this, or this other friend read it and they think this thing. But I'm like, all right, well, I can't wait for your friend to let me know who, how much they're paying for it, I guess. <laughs> I get bored because I'm not sending it to anyone because I think it needs work still. Like, that's it. Like, I don't, like, I can't. So, we come back to myself. Really, that's my style. So, my style is like, I got to care about it because yeah. I'm not, I, I've gotten myself into situations where, I'm pushing for something or I'm advocating for something and I'm doing it because, well, they're my client or this or whatever. And then I'm like, why am I arguing or defending something that I don't care about? It's too hard. I mean, I remember like with, especially with bubbles, it's like we, it was a bidding war between Tim Burton and um, Dan Harmon for it. And I was essentially like, I, like Tim Burton made an offer and it's really difficult to say no to Tim Burton making an offer on your script. But I was like, no, his recent movies haven't been that good. And I want to do it with Dan Harmon. So literally another version I conspired together and I got an offer for four times more money for Dan Harmon to buy it. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's what we did. So we sold it to Dan Harmon and I made, and then everyone was happy because I got them a lot more money. So I got what I wanted. But again, that was me like, well, I want this. Yes. This is the version. I want to do the stop motion animation version with Don, ha- Don Herman. That's what I want to do. Sorry, Tim Burton. Like, that's interesting, but I don't believe, like, I think this is the version that has the best chance of getting made. So what I did is I made it so everyone could get me happy. It's like, well, how do I make sure that this, everyone gets happy? Like I said, to find some more money. So I called and created some ripples and some chaos, and then there you go. I got what I wanted needed, right? Then everyone was happy. Yeah, not that Tim Burton couldn't get it made, but I didn't believe that. we hadn't even talked to him. It's like, I'm hanging out with Dan Herman. Like I want to do with Dan Herman. He's cool. Like, he's like telling me how, like he's telling me I'm cool. I want to hang out with him. Right. Like let's do that version. Cause I believe that I feel the passion and the care for it. Right. Which is actually what I care about. Right. I want to make the movie. I don't want to like have a deadline announcement. I don't give a shit about deadline. I'm trying to be caring too much about what anyone else is kind of thinking or doing or caring. Right. Just like, what do I need? What, what is the thing that is going to make me? And also like, because trusting my instincts too, trusting my intuition. Right. When Shay said that he wanted to write action movies, I knew we would make a lot of money in action movies. Why? Because I knew that I was, that I knew that he had the ability to do it. And I knew that I would put the work in and get him to figure it out. I knew that I was like, okay, I'll have to like work backwards from there. Like setting the intention to the future and working backwards.
It sounds like you have gotten good at trusting your instincts. Were there ever moments where you didn't trust your instincts? <laughs> like, how did you learn that lesson? <laughs> I guess we'll see how it all plays out. There's some things. It's like, well, I think a lot of it, and well, I mean, it's, it's also. I mean, I've been going through a quite. I've been going through a a lot. Like, I think also part of it is like I, because I have this power, light, et cetera, whatever, uh, energy, whatever around me, it's also made in me a lot of darkness also. Like a darkness, a lot of darkness gets kind of sucked up into that too. And a lot of people trying, attempting to steal what I would have given away for free, let's say, right? So I think also so I've done, so last December I did ayahuasca for the first time. And now I've done it like I've done it like four more times since then. I've done Bufo and I've done Iboga and stuff. So I think a lot of that's why I have a lot of clarity about all these things too. Because when when I haven't trusted my intuition, again, I think I talked a little bit about like when I haven't touched my intuition, I was doing something that I didn't really want to do, or I was doing something to make money. It's like money is not something to be concerned about, in my opinion. Right. If you're too worried about whenever a writer's like, Lee, I really need a job. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess Starbucks is probably hiring. I'm like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm a wizard. It's like, why do you want asking a wizard to get you a Starbucks job? <laughs> right? Like, I'm a dragon. Like, that's not like that's not what I do. I'm like, well, if you've been listening to my notes for the past year, and writing that screenplay that I told you to do before and not the other one, well, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But now you don't get to come to me being like, now somehow it's my fault that you're dream isn't coming true when I literally told you exactly what you needed to do in order for me to be able to help you with that. When I haven't trusted my intuition, it's actually only caused me more grief later. And then I've had to correct it in very aggressive ways to rebalance myself out and to kind of reclaim my power a little bit. And, and that is scary for other people. And I have to not be too concerned about that as well because i have to just my self-care is what i am focusing on and i know that when i'm taking care of myself the most and i'm in my highest calmest place that's when my notes are going to be the best that's when i'm most energized it's going to be most powerful for everyone etc right that's it it's a it's a knowing without knowing why and I feel like at least at this point in my life, getting to that place of how do I trust my knowing, even if I don't know why, because I can get really yes. in my head and get dropped back into my heart and go, oh, this is what my truth is. And then it's like you yeah. were talking about the alignment of that, the congruence, mm-hmm. that yeah. doors open and it becomes a lot more effortless. I really, I respect that about you. I admire that because in this industry, it's really easy to get pulled into other people's gravitational fields. And it sounds like you have, you know, found a way of working that's really true to yourself. That's a little bit different than how the industry like, you know, likes things to be done, quote unquote. But people respond to that. They love that because they're like, so again, they're either either going to be into it or they're not going to be into it. I know that like I have given notes on screenplays like there are films that even if I don't represent the writer and director anymore, when people talk about how good the movie is, they're talking about literal scenes that I literally just told them exactly to do. Right? Like <laughs> literally do this, 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 and this, and this. So I think part of it also was it, 
this is also what the ayahuasca showed me and stuff too. It's like I've actually been more working on my own stuff too. Like I've edited a film and this and running my own screenplays. It's like, you know, I'm working on my own screenplay right now. So now when I'm reading, now when I'm reading screenplays, I'm like, oh, this is nowhere near as good as my screenplay, right? Because I know what a good screenplay is. And I know that this idea is a complete banger. Like, I just know that it's a complete banger. I know that I don't, I haven't even told anyone what the idea is. Because if I told you the idea is, you'd be like, God damn, that's a great idea for a screenplay. I'm like, yeah, I know it is. Right. <laughs> I know that it is. Right. I know that it is. Right. I know that it is. I absolutely fucking know that it is in every fiber of the core of my being. And like, sure, I could give this to another writer, but that's not the point. It came to me. Yeah, I'm supposed to write it for some reason. Right. I'm supposed to write. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to pump this out on the page and you know and tell the story. So but what does that do? That makes me even a better manager and producer, et cetera. Because when I so now when writers talking about writing a screenplay and like, oh, it's so hard, I'm like, uh uh-huh. Well, I'm writing a screenplay and what I do, I watched, I'm not writing it right now, but I watched 50 movies that are all in the same genre of it as research. Did you do that for your screenplay? Oh, you didn't? Uh, and well, I guess no one ever taught you how to write a screenplay then. Right? Because again, I'm just a how would I do it? Right? Like, just do the work. Jur- three journals of just notes, right? I, it's not even, like, writing a screenplay isn't about... Okay, I gotta sit down and I gotta write the pages out and da da da. It's like I'm thinking about it. It's like no, I want to have the entire screenplay in my mind, an entire thing in my entire mind in my mind, and then when I type it out, it should just flow out of me, right? And I feel like that's and to me that that's when I talk about the best screenplays. That's how the best screenplays for everybody I've ever seen done, right? It's you can't if you start just type, not that you can't write things, but it can't be like, oh, this is the final thing and you're getting too married to any sensual scene or this or whatever. It's like, that's just not, that's not the point. You have to let the movie kind of be what it has to be and that just let the intuition flow, right? And understand that like every single thing that happens in my life is educating me about this screenplay that I'm working on, but every other screenplay that I'm working on too, right? Real life experiences, right? Putting myself in crazy places, right? I was in Europe for three months last year doing all kind of crazy adventures and this and da, 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 and all this stuff, right? It's not about just researching things. It's about experiencing things and putting yourself in those situations so you can actually speak to them in a more profound way, right? At least for me. Talking about the alchemy of the creativity, you know, yeah. which is actually being present to life yeah. and absorbing everything from what's happening in the world yeah. around you and hopefully having those experiences yeah. so that by the time you come back to create, it is alive inside you. You're not just yeah. beating something up that, you know, you've been that's been overworked and, yeah. and reworked to death. Yeah. So then when so then when some stupid executive gives some notes on this, whatever, they'd be like, I'm just like you've never even left LA or whatever. Congrats. You've never like, actually, you've never experienced any kind of thing that's really that dramatic or intense or this, because you don't yeah. understand what the real kind of, you don't understand like, right. When I'm giving notes on a scene, I'm pulling from my real, my real existence, my real life and real anecdotes from things that I've absorbed from my, I'm a big sponge, right? I love stories, right? I'm always listening to every story that, you know, that's even like, you know, with these ayahuasca ceremonies, you go there and so much people and a lot of people are going through deep, traumatic, emotional things yeah. and they're sharing the stuff. It's like, oh, I see. This is the thought, like, this is the real life fodder. This is like everyone's dealing with this kind of stuff and kind of being pulled back that curtain from people and absorb those stories and those things is so powerful. And I think a lot of people that want to make movies or this or screenplays, they're not focusing on that aspect of it. 
right? They're not focusing on, it's not just about sitting in your house, writing your screenplay and reading your fucking Save the Cat book or whatever. It's like good movies, screenplays are going to come from experiencing life and finding it, right? And the story will find you, right? Heard. So like the, the story will find you and then it should be easy, right? It's also about finding out who you are and what kind of stories you should be able to be telling, right? Like the screenplay I'm writing, I am also going to direct it too. Why? Because no one else could direct it because it's completely in me, right? And I know it's like, because I'm pulling from my very experience of my real emotions, the kind of things that I want to be doing, right? So I can't, I wouldn't be able to translate that to someone else, right? And now that you have to direct your own things, but like but that screenplay should have that in it, whatever it is, right? I think that with the best films like Bubbles or Ballerina or, you know, Isaac, as, as we wrote Bubbles has an awesome song. When people read these screenplays, they're just like, wow, this is a complete and utter thought, right? It's a complete thought. It's so fun. Everything is working. It's completely because it's like, it's just, yeah, it's a, it came out perfectly conceived, right? It wasn't forced at all because the story found us, right? Right. It wasn't like it just, right and like an alchemy yeah it's all alchemy like, okay da, 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 right right i've taken like on i've sold multiple screenplays that were pitches for other people's projects right having writers pitch on ip and then that pitch being so great i'm like okay let's just spec it just spec it <laughs> just, spec it. just spec it as an idea right because okay great that came out using a prompt from someone else and using us like okay well that was great that was a great prompt right Coming up with ideas like, okay, you're like, oh, that why was that a great pitch? Oh, it was a great pitch because it was a great movie. And so they didn't buy it. Oh, but they, why didn't they buy it? Because it was too cool. Okay, well, if it was too cool, then I guess we have to do it. <laughs> the, the feedback from the network, from the television network, where the studio was, well, that's too unique. We can't do that. Oh, well, there you go. Then that's definitely have to be a spec. Then we have to write because it's going to be someone else. So then we spec it and someone else buys it because like, oh my God, this is so cool. It's so unique. It's so fun. I'm like, exactly. Right? Yeah, because exactly. They weren't ready at the front door for that to be the thing, but they actually secretly really wanted it, right? They secretly really wanted it, right? Because it's cool and wanted. original and different and fun <laughs> and alive. Yeah. I'm a writer too. And when I'm when I'm most connected to what's alive inside me, that it make everything makes so much more sense than when mm -hmm. I'm coming at it, like you said, from the front door. Because I have yeah. my experience as a development exec. So it's like that part of my brain is always there of like, what's going to be commercial? What's going to sell? But then it can also just land flat. And uh, like you, the best screenplays that I've read, the ones that have really stayed with me, they're different. They're original. They're so alive. And you're going, oh my God, I care about these people. Like they're real people. Uh, yes. And that's just the best feeling. Hey, what's been happening since the, you know, congratulations to you, to your clients, to the WGA that the strike is complete. What's happening right now? Like, what's happening in your world? What's happening? Oh, it's exciting. It's busy. It's busy. <laughs> it's busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's busy. I think it's good. People seem excited about doing stuff. It's both good and bad in that there's a um, cleansing that I think occurs of people. Hollywood is not... Well, how about just making movies in general? Unless you're just like rich, you just want to make shit with your friends and like some in Ohio or something. Well, that's fine. Go do that. But if you actually want to participate in this game, the thing is, and again, I think it's probably actually more bad than good is that there's always a compression. There's always a squeezing out. And unfortunately, it kind of ends up hurting the people kind of at 
the bottom in the middle the most because if you're at the top you're not going anywhere right you can just sit there you don't have to make any money for years right but if you need to work or need to make money it can kind of start pushing people into other kinds of things mm-hmm. but i think which is bad in that it pushes people out but also good in meaning well then the people that still stay are the hungrier ones right because it's like i made less than like ten thousand dollars a year for like eight years of my life right when i was trying to be a manager i remember i was on the set of my live tyler movie in new york and i had two hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt and i couldn't pay i literally was so poor on like literally was i'm so poor on paper even though i was selling trips and this and whatever but like the money hadn't come in i literally had to eat at target starbucks because all my other credit cards were maxed out and i had no money in my and i had to use my cash that i was getting from like giving notes on screenplays to pay for rent essentially both from my house i was saying it that's it and it's like so i don't have a lot of sympathy for people that are like oh but i need a job i'm poor i'm like like i had two thousand dollars in credit card and had to beat at starbucks with my target card (laughs) (laughs) or i had to beg my mom for like some money to rent a car it's like i get it it's fucking tough (laughs) keep going keep going it's just keep going you have to just keep going like it's not it's not fucking easy it's not easy. It's not easy to do it. Right. So that's the thing. It's like, so if you really want to keep doing it, but you have to understand you're trying to do it for try to do it for the right reason. Right. And again, I feel like I always try to get like, oh, I fucking hate Hollywood. I need to stop doing this. Da, da, da. But I realize I need to stay because if I leave, then what? Who's in a I, someone has to be here to like make sure there's still some wizardry and like they're trying to make some good shit someone needs to try to be here to make sure they're making good stuff someone has to (laughs) try to make sure they're making good stuff and keep them on their toes a little bit it's your time and to enjoy and have fun i'm like again try to have fun with it it's like it's so obnoxious i mean i can't even i don't even know if i can go to sundance again but whenever i go to sundance it's just like all these people (laughs) like sitting around just sitting around at these parties talking about bullshit and i'm like well, this is cool shouldn't we be dancing red sunday this is so fun I'm like wait you're not how many movies have you seen oh blah, blah blah i'm leaving early i can't watch any more movies you're leaving early i'm here all week watching movies it's just like i don't know i don't get it so these people working in hollywood like hate it they get so like i have to watch movies i'm like yeah all day long how cool is that yeah, hopefully that's the joy of the job. I mean, uh, why are you here otherwise? Why not? Because I think yeah. I have to remind myself a little bit. Like, that's why I'm here. So I like to go to Cannes. Cannes is my best, the best film festival because, like, just the fucking best shit. Oh, the Cannes party's is the best like, shit. Definitely. But the thing is, the film that's disappointing about Cannes is that there's like so few industry people there. I know it's, I know it's expensive and difficult to get to, but like, I don't know, these people aren't poor. <laughs> there's really no reason why they shouldn't be there. Like, it's the best. It's the absolute fucking best. Was that the, like the eight eight mountains? This movie that came out, this, this just came out a little bit ago. I'm like at the Canterloo Mirror Theater. It's like five thousand people, and I'm crying so much. Like there's like a seat empty next to me. And I'm literally just like, crying so much. I'm just like weeping into this chair, and he's like standing ovation. And I was like, this is like the shit you try to remind yourself to do. And it's like it's Sunday, and so everyone's like, oh, let's do a stupid Q and A at the end. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You guys are boring. I hate this. Like, it's just supposed to be how it's supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be like spiritual. It's supposed to be incredible, right? It's like even like this year, like there's a movie called Riddle of Fire, which is like I'm playing out the director's name, but it's like that's that guy's gonna direct a Disney movie. 
Sundance should be ashamed of themselves for not getting that movie. The best American film I saw this year was at Tan. <laughs> Sundance sucks. Sundance, come on. You're lame. I can't believe you didn't power. You're letting can poach you on a, it's like Napoleon Dynamite fantasy. I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so cute. It's about these, like, it's like these kids who like go on this adventure. Oh, my God. oh I can't wait to see it. It's so good. It's like, it's just so great. It's like, that's like, it's inspiring when you see something like, oh, they're just fucking doing it. They're just doing it. They're making a great movie in Cannes, which is like, your movie's cool. That's like, yeah. One more important question for you. It's important to me um, because I'm I'm bi and queer and we've been seeing so many um, LGBTQ shows get canceled. And I have a lot of concerns about that. A lot of my students have concerns about that. What's your feeling about it um, holding that side of the industry? Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think that Hollywood has a problem with homophobia. <laughs> no, really? That's <laughs> for sure. And it kind of, because I think it's, it speaks to, it's an issue with Hollywood is are so many people so scared of people realizing that they have no idea what they're talking about. So a lot of the time they make decisions. And again, it's not coming, it's not necessarily coming from a bad place, but they make decisions based upon what they think that someone will think poorly of, not right. what someone will be inspired by. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to do stories where gay people just die of AIDS all the time, for example, or this or whatever, because, well, no one's going to get mad at anyone for making a movie about gay people dying, I guess. Gay people like it okay enough, right? So the idea of making like, you know, but look at something like Will and, again, like, well, they'll do something like Will and Grace in the 90s. Like, why did it work? Because it was just about gay people not dying of AIDS. How about that? That was it. Yeah. Literally, that's the bar. Literally, the bar is make it cute, make it good, make it funny. Just gay people being normal people, right? And I think that you know the fact that who's the most famous gay actor? Rhetorical question, right? Okay, because from like Rock right? it's like exactly. There's definitely a lot of gay actors for sure. I don't want to out them. But you can guess some of these people. It's like, well, why can't they be gay? Mm. Why can't they come out? What's the why? What's the what's the um what's the holdup essentially? But the fear, right? fear, the fear right. mongering right. of like what'll happen to right. Kevin Spacey only comes up like I knew Kevin Spacey was gay in 2000 in Michigan, right? I did, not even working in Hollywood. Right? Because there's pictures of him like kissing some boy or whatever. It's like, okay, so when Kevin Spacey wins his second Oscar, why couldn't he be like, and I'm gay, everyone? How exciting. Cool. Second Oscar, bitches. But instead, like, it's like, what? Because he was scared about, sure, he was being a monster and sexually assaulting people too. But it's like, just be gay. Right? And then don't use it later as something, oh, but I was gay, blah, 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 trauma. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Mm -hmm. 
right? Fuck off. Sorry. You don't get to, and again, it came from fear, right? The fear of other people putting that on him and this and other people. So I think it's like, so when you talk about queer shows and this, it's like, okay, like you got you got Greg Berlanti who makes just the most vanilla. Like, cool, he has a great business, but makes the most vanilla nonsense. Like, Love Simon was almost offensive to me, and it's kind of like banality of like this is like it's a queer romance or whatever. It's like this is what is this fucking nineteen eighty two? Like, what the fuck? How is this? Pro- this is not progress. This is there's nothing in here that is like provocative or. And also, the Birdcage came out in fucking 1992 or shit, and it was like a way better fucking comedy about gay people. What the fuck? This is the first time Hollywood's even done this. So, why? And also, it feels like it's even worse than that, right? Like, this feels like it's even more regressive and even more scary because it's not coming, again, it's not coming from a place of what will liberal people think, but what will the people in Ohio think? Or what will the people, the conservative people think? Or we're going to make a movie for everyone. But the thing is, don't make a movie for everyone. You don't have to make a movie for everyone. You know how you make a movie for everyone? making the best movie possible for one person. Mm. If you make someone's one person's favorite movie of all time, I can guarantee you that some other people are going to also think it's pretty cool. Right? If someone said that Love, Simon was their favorite movie, I'd be like, have you seen movies? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, there's more than just that one, right? (laughs) That's your favorite movie. I'd be like, okay, that's cute. I think you should watch more movies. (laughs) Because there's a billion versions of that movie that are way it's better. It's safe. Right? It's safe. Right? Yeah. No, safe. Right. And then you have Ryan Murphy. Again, Ryan Murphy's fun. Again, but at the same time, it's almost the opposite where it's like, okay, he does like, gays are super villains or evil or serial killers or catty assholes or this or they're, you know, they're dying of AIDS again. Why can't there be, you know, like a real just queer romance or this it's like people would eat up with a fucking spoon I and mean, they would eat up with a spoon they're just so scared to do it because they're so scared of what someone might think about it if they don't want to mm-hmm. do it. so but i think that's what that feeds the content like why is those shows getting canceled because my problem with a lot of these queer content is it's not for me love simon isn't for me i think the love simon is for like straight women essentially right yeah like, I, I think, think, I think right, like, gay people can enjoy it but it's like it's like not really like it's not my gay experience but to me that doesn't really speak to anything really tangible and real right it's not really kind of getting into the real essence of like what the queer experience is and i think that hollywood is still not quite ready mm-hmm. literature is doing a little better job than than we are some of the ya the lgbtqya stories are just oh god they're so rich and deep and meaningful yeah. and we're just yes. not seeing that on screen yet translating not. no well, again, because but honestly, I know that it would crush. I know that people would definitely. Mm, I know too. Want it. I, know I know that people want it, but they just it's um yeah. It's it, it, again, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of like chicken or egg, right? Because the market isn't demanding it, and then the people aren't making it mm-hmm. right. So then the queer people don't even necessarily feel that em- empowered to, you know go for it right like so that's what yeah i think i think i'm working on it <laughs> oh good i'm so glad to hear that's that <laughs> i'm on it Let's i'm on the task if i had a blank check to make any movie i want it wouldn't be love simon 
I know that my shit would make even more money. Mm, 100%. I know that it would because I understand all the rules about how movies work, but I also understand how to play with fire. <laughs> right. And make sure those elements are in there too. To not right. To not saw off the edges before you even get to the before you even get to the show. Right. Like make sure that you keep those things on. Let someone else try to saw them off for you. So as writers or as people that aren't these studio executives that have to deal with their corporate overlords that demand that they make content that everyone enjoys or whatever. I don't know what all these mandates are or whatever. Theme park rides, whatever. Like, that's fine, but that doesn't mean that we have to um, actually do that. Okay. I'll only respect you for it. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. they don't actually know what they want. <laughs> they're they're operating from fear, right? So if you just tell them you want they want that, you just tell people everyone wants this, they'll believe you. <laughs> that's true. They'll believe you. They'll just believe you, right? Because they don't have any. They actually they're just operating from fear, and they, it's not actually coming from any real place. They they did a survey once with some people at a mall, so they think that that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean it's actually true at all. Yeah, right? They don't know, right? People don't actually know what people want. Again, just make what make what you want. I make movies that I would buy a ticket to go see. If I wouldn't go buy a ticket to go see it, then I can't be. I wouldn't be want to bother uh, spending any time on it. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Right. 100%. And I love it. Lee, Lee, you're so fantastic. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. It was really great to meet you, uh, officially have you on the show, Mr. Wizard. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolfpack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack.